Hello and welcome back to church for another week. It's great to have you joining with us. You know, it's coming towards the end half of the year now. And uh, that often means for us that we, of course, have um, Operation Shoebox. So I'd really encourage you, if you do this normally or you haven't done it before but would like to, why not get together a shoebox, sort that out and bring it along to church. You can bring those on Sundays whilst we're open um, or uh, contact Eve. She's got all the information that you need there. But we'd love to get uh, onto uh, those shoeboxes for this year. Um, the last Sunday in October is when we'll be able to have those. Um, at this stage with the roadmap, it looks like we can't return to church as normal until at least November. Uh, so that's a, a fair way away um, right now. So um, please keep praying um, for our town and uh, for our state and for our nation. And um, hopefully we can again be back together soon. Um, our, our AGM will be scheduled not long after that. Uh, but uh, let's, uh, before I start the message, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are just full of joy in the hope that we have in you. And uh, Lord, may you speak to us this morning, we pray, or whenever we're watching. May you go before us and may you prepare our hearts to, to hear and, and listen from you, we pray. Amen. Well, are you someone who makes promises? You know, when we're kids and growing up, I, I think we make more promises than when we're adults, but we sort of we come to understand human promises a bit more. You know, kids make a lot of promises. Ones like, you know, give me the chocolate bar and I'll be your friend. The gullible kid, so desperate for friends, obviously hands over the bar, only to be pushed aside and ignored once more. What about this one? You, you've just hurt your sibling. You know, and they're about to, to to just roar with you know pain or whatever. It's like you know you, you know so don't, don't tell mum, don't tell mum. I promise, I promise, I won't hurt you again. We make promises, or even as kids, I remember making a promise like this. You know, God fix this or heal this, and and then I promise I'll be better. I promise I'll stop being bad, or something like that. Yeah, as kids, most of us would make promises easily. But as adults, we don't make promises like that because too many of us have been burnt by people who don't keep their promises. You know, people who, who don't keep their promises in relationships and, and how we are to be treated. People who don't keep their promises in, in business dealings. Bosses who don't keep their promises for bonuses or promotions or, or those sorts of things. We've all been burnt by people who don't keep their promises. And so, we now approach promises being made to us with caution. So when God makes promises, do we approach those in the same manner? Do we approach God and the promises He makes to us with the same defensive scepticism? as though those promises were made by a used car salesman. If we do approach God's promises with caution or with defensive scepticism, doubting God's promises, 
then we need to move past the idea that God could act like sinful human beings, like you and I, and understand who God is deeper. It can be hard to trust other people, but God's integrity is unfathomably pure. His promises have always come true. And he's made a lot of them. And one such promise we see is in a promise he made to Abraham. Open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 4. We're reading from verse 13 as we look at the gospel promise. Romans 4:13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression." God made Abraham a promise and he sealed that promise as a covenant. That promise was made in Genesis 17 verse 4 to 7 which says, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I'll make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God's promise to Abraham was to make him a father of a multitude of nations. From the beginning, God's plan was far bigger than one nation. God says that kings would come from Abraham. A nation would come from Abraham, the Jewish nation, of course. And and, and that's God's promise, his covenant. His promise was that it would be everlasting. And so we see God gave his promise to bless the Gentiles through Abraham long before he gave the Mosaic law. This means that it was incorrect for the Jews in the church in Rome to think that the blessings of the Gentiles depended on their obedience to the law. It depended on God's faithfulness to his promise. God gave that promise to Abraham, not because of his obedience, but because of his faith. Justification by faith alone. But let's play this one out. Let's say that we all as Gentiles had to keep the law. What effects would that have? Well, firstly, it would make faith irrelevant. It would subject this simple, unconditional promise to the condition of human obedience. It would take our salvation away from God and put it squarely back in our hands and attainable only through perfect obedience. 
If, for example, a father promised his son a new bicycle, the boy would look forward to receiving his gift. However, if the father added the condition that to get the bike, the boy had to be perfectly obedient, he would destroy his son's confidence that he would get the bike. Now, obtaining the bicycle depended on obedience. That's what shifted. It was no longer a matter of faith. Faith is made void. And we've all seen how that went for Israel. They and and us likewise are completely unable to perfectly obey the law. And the second effect, which is also evident in this illustration, is that the promise would be nullified. It will be made worthless. If I made you a promise, I'm going to give you a million dollars, but all you have to do is be perfectly obedient and never do anything wrong, we would fail. And so really, it's not a promise at all for a million dollars. It's null and void. It's worthless. But God's promise was made to Abraham before the law. It was made to him in the understanding that it included a multitude of nations, not just Israel. And so if we had to still live under the law, we would continue to fail. As verse 15 points out, the law brings wrath. But this promise was made to Abraham before the law. The promise was made to Abraham under the law of faith, not Mosaic law. And so faith, as we've seen before, is the key that unlocks the gospel. It is by faith that God declares us righteous and it is by faith that we are released from transgressing the law. So God doesn't judge us as transgressors and that only comes through faith. Verse 16, that is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to us all his offspring, guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. God gave his promise to make Abraham the father of many nations unconditionally. He says it rests on God's grace after father Abraham stood justified. Abraham obtained the promise simply by believing it, by faith, not by keeping the law. This is the only way that the realisation of what God had promised could be certain. And so Paul again confirms faith as the only method of justification. And I love that Abraham is our spiritual father as well. You know, just as he is for the Jews. It reminds me of that old song. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had father Abraham I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right? That, that's, he's our Father too. God has called us into existence from that which did not exist. We are given life through God's grace. Nations 
which did not exist at that time. God knew all about them. And he brought them into existence so that some of us might respond to him in faith and be declared righteous. And what great hope there is contained in that promise of God. And Abraham, he had great hope also. Verse 18, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. You know, what Abraham's hope against hope was. What, what was that? Well, his hope rested solely on God's promises. You know, physically, he had no hope of obtaining descendants naturally. He was old. Good as dead, this passage said. He was old and his wife was barren and old as well. Abraham's faith was both contrary to hope, as far as nature could give hope, and it rested on hope that God could do what nature could not. And that is still true today. God can do what nature can not. That might be a message for you today. Trust God. He can do what doctors what the world, what, what other people might say is not possible. God can do the impossible, as we see here. When Paul says no belief made, no unbelief made him waver, he doesn't mean that, that Abraham never had momentary hesitations. What it means is that Abraham avoided a deep-seated and permanent attitude of distrust and inconsistency in relation to God and his promises. Abraham believed God in the face of discouraging facts that he contemplated courageously. He did not waver in unbelief. He believed despite the knowledge that what God had promised could not happen naturally. Abraham instead grew stronger in faith as time passed. The record of his life in Genesis shows this. It shows he was giving glory to God by believing God. What God has promised, he was also able to perform. You know, when, when we know that in, our, in ourselves, we, we, we have no strength, we have no hope of a future, yet Nevertheless, cast ourselves upon and live by the word of God, which assures us of a future. That is the right attitude that we all should have to God. God's promise to Abraham would seem so foolish to all of us. I mean, a hundred years old, 
being told you would father a multitude of nations, yet you hadn't even had a single son or daughter, not one child naturally, and now both you and your wife were well and truly past the, the stage of naturally being able to have children, it would seem utterly ridiculous and impossible. But that's the promise God made to Abraham. You know, if God made that promise to me, I, I think I'd naturally doubt it because I'd be too focused on myself instead of being focused on who made the promise. You know, Abraham focused on the promise maker, not the promise receiver. He had unwavering faith in God who made the promise. And that gave him unwavering hope. Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. I too am fully convinced that God is able to do what he has promised. But I too often let myself get in the way. I too often project my fears and doubts rather than trusting God. I too often try to take control or, or try to work harder or, or try to manoeuvre my way through when really what God wants is for me to rest in calm confidence in Him and just trust Him. From that place of rest, calm and trust, then there might be some things God wants me to do in obedience to Him but then it will be by his strength and according to his will and not my own strength and not according to my own will. Trusting God means that ultimately we submit to his will in all things and let go of the need to be in control. God's got you. You can let go. Trust him. God isn't the kid at school who made you a promise and didn't keep it. God isn't your boss who made you a promise and didn't keep it. God isn't even a parent, spouse or friend who made you a promise and didn't keep it. God is God. God is good. He is the promise maker and he is the promise keeper. You can trust God just like Abraham. We too can be fully convinced that God is able to do what he has promised. But hang on, Aaron. That's all well and good for Abraham and other people in the Bible. We can see how God has kept his promises to them. What about me? What about today? Sure, Abraham was counted righteous by his faith. But I'm nowhere near like Abraham. Does this apply to me? You know, they're, they're really good questions. And I know Paul thought that those questions were valid as well because in verse 23, he writes this, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. 
Paul applies God's dealings with Abraham to his contemporaries, to his readers. We too are his readers. It wasn't written for his sake alone, but but also ours. And so we too can apply these words to us. God will credit his righteousness to all who believe in him. The most important point is that we trust God as Abraham did. Our confidence must be in him. You know, Paul mentions God raising Jesus here to help us remember that God, that the God that Abraham believed and the God who brings life out of death are the same God. And it may be even easier for us to believe than it was for Abraham because we look back on a resurrection completed, whereas Abraham looked forward to one anticipated. Abraham didn't have have thousands of years of history testifying to God's nature, testifying to God's promises kept. He couldn't look back at the pattern that God has established from being a promise keeper. Abraham could only look forward in hope. And we, we can do both. We can look back at all the promises kept and even more in certainty by looking back, we can be more certain in our promise-making God, that the rest of his promises will come true as well. So one thing remains very clear here. Justification has always come by faith toward God and not because the sinner obeyed God's law. This was true before Jesus Christ died as well as after. Faith is the only way by which anyone has ever received justification from God. So God, he's a promise-making God. God is a promise-keeping God. And the most important point is that we trust God as Abraham did. Our confidence must be in him. So what I want to do now I just want to try and build a bit of a a foundation to help remind us of some of the promises that God has made in the Scriptures so that we can develop that strong trust and to rest in the calm confidence of our promise, keeping God and trust Him. You know, I've got a a few passages here that I just want to read out briefly, a few few excerpts. These are just just a snapshot of some of the promises that God makes. But here we go. Here are some promises about God's goodness. Psalm 145, 9. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. 1 Chronicles 16, 34. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. James 1.17 Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Nahum 1.7 The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. 
He cares for those who trust in Him. Maybe those are some promises you need to rest in, particularly this week with all that's going on. God has also promised to be with us. Isaiah 40 verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah 43 verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Psalm 23 verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God has also promised to provide for us, Matthew 6, 31. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Matthew 7, 9 to 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? 2 Corinthians 9.8 And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And look at just a view of the things that Jesus has promised. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, easy, and my burden is light. John 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Matthew 28, 20. 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And God has also made us promises about our salvation. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. John 8.36 So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And Romans 10, 9 to 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. As I said, those are just a few tiny collection of the many, many, many promises that God has made. He is the promise-making God. He is the promise-keeping God. I'm sure you know many more promises that God has made and may they build your faith as well. And may you have complete trust that God has kept and will keep His promises. And may you walk in the promises of the Lord, in that calm assurance, that calm trust, that confidence that we are all justified by faith alone. The most excellent news of the gospel, full of hope for all. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we are enthralled by the promises that you have made us. Lord, you have made so many promises that are for our good and for our benefit. And Lord, you are a promise-making God. You are also a promise-keeping God. We can see the promises that you made Abraham. Many have been fulfilled. You have made great nations out of his descendants. And Lord, you have made great promises for us too that we can be saved by faith and be declared righteous. And so, Lord, I pray for, for those watching along today that, Lord, you would help us rest and trust in you. That, Lord, above all else, we would let go and trust you. May we walk in your promises with calm assurance and hope. We pray Lord Jesus, amen.